Digital Smart, enabling organisations and individuals to be disability inclusive and accessible. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Be People Smart podcast. I'm Jodie Greer, I'm your host and I'm the founder of Be People Smart and I'm back to bust some more myths. And again, I am joined by another wonderful guest speaker, they keep spoiling me, and I have with me Emanuela Akinola, and I will ask Emanuela to introduce herself. Over to you, please. Hi, glad to be here with you, Jody, and um, the audience at uh, People Smart. I'm so excited to be on set with Jody today. Thank you for the invite, Jody. You're very welcome. So, can you tell us a little bit about what you do for a living, Emanuela? And it'd be really good if you can tell the listeners where you are because it's very apt for what we're talking about today. Okay, okay. Uh, Jody introduced earlier. I am Emanuela Akinola. Uh, I am based in Nigeria. I'm a Nigerian, and I'm a co-founder and chief operating officer at Access Tech Innovations. So, at Access Tech Innovations, we are leading assistive technology. Um, company that provides retailing services for persons with disabilities who need to purchase assistive technology. Uh, We do this because we understand that there's a large gap in Africa as to the quantity and quality of assistive technology products that are available. So we partner with manufacturers of assistive technology products across um, North America, Europe, and Asia to ensure that in, in West Africa especially, there is uh, a quantifiable number of quality assistive technology products. Uh, we also provide digital skills training using the assistive technology tools and provide maintenance services for this device. So this is what we've been doing um, for the past, uh, this is what I've been doing for the past 12 years. And as Access Tech Innovation, we've been doing this for the past three years. Excellent. Thank you very much. And I'm quite excited by this because we often talk accessibility, but people need access to accessibility. So before we delve in to find out more about how you do what you do, um, just to set the scene, the myths that Emanuela and I are going to be busting today, primarily until others pop up, are that working with disabled people limits opportunities. And this is one of the good ones as well. The African market for assistive technology is too small for investment. So um, before we dive straight into um, the kind of work side and the practical side, Emanuela, because I know you have a personal connection with accessibility, don't you? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, thank you for bringing that up, Jodi. So um, as I said earlier, I'm based in Nigeria and I'm married to a visually impaired uh, man, Okbeolu uh, Akinola. He's um, a co-founder with me at Access Tech Innovation. I'm being married to a blind person, actually. Uh, we got married 15 years ago. And um, being married to a blind person has actually exposed me to how inaccessibility affects me as a non-disabled person. So I've decided to, that, that is why we actually decided to take it up to work together to build accessibility in Africa. You know, as a non-disabled person, um, going out with my spouse, either accessing transportation, accessing uh, recreational activities, accessing education, you see the barriers that your spouse has to face in order to be able to get, get gainfully employed or be able to work independently and productively. You understand that it's not just going to affect him, it's also going to affect you as a spouse, also going to affect the children. So that is why, that's actually my connection with accessibility. That's why for me, you know, when we got married um, 15 years ago then, in Nigeria, we had limited access to 
uh, phones with screen readers or computers with screen readers, um, we didn't have a lot of options like that um, compared to now. So, and people had to pay more. Like if you buy a phone for $200, you have to pay another $100 to get uh, maybe uh, a, a screen reader like Nuance Stocks. So I understood how it was then for a blind person using a phone without a screen reader to, you know, call you every time to say, okay, ah, please, can you read this? Can you, uh, can you check these text messages? Can you go to the bank to make this transfer for me? And all these affect your life. Immediately accessibility started coming into the country and we started having access to assistive technology products. The, the quality of life changed, not just the quality of life of my spouse, but also my quality of life changed. It means that he could do a lot more things independently and I could do a lot more things on my own and we could together would actually achieve more. So it makes it easier. So that's my connection with accessibility that when there is accessibility and there is available assistive technology products to enhance accessibility, it's not just the person with disability whose life gets enhanced, the spouses, the children, the friends and family also get their standard of living improved. Um, in, in other parts of their lives. Thank you for sharing that. And you know what? It's actually really powerful because we don't hear enough about that side of accessibility and inclusion. And even mm -hmm. though we talk about the purple pound, so for anyone who's not aware, the purple pound uh, is worth <laughs> billions of dollars um, around the world. And or it, you, you know, you can't really quantify it because what it is, it's the expendable income of uh, disabled people and their households but the reason I say you can't quantify it really is there's also impact with all extended family friends and so on like Emanuela just said and you know people are put off of certain organizations and services and I don't know restaurants and other social settings as well if they don't enable them to have a positive experience as well as their disabled friend or family member right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's, it's right. massive and people often just don't recognize it and i mean don't get me wrong it should be right for disabled people anyway but people just don't often resonate with the wider impact of a lack of accessibility yes that, that that's the problem for me that's the, that's where i specifically am interested in in increasing the voice in this aspect of um non-disabled person working on accessibility as if you're doing persons with disability a favor no you are not, we are not doing persons with disability a favor when we work on accessibility we are not being too we are not being holier than now what's happening is that it also affects a non-disabled person because if you look at it, there's nobody who would say that either as friends, family, or uh, neighbors, that you don't have a person with disability that you know. And once that person's life is improved, it also affects the quality of life. And if you go further to the nation, if we keep, if persons with disability are as empowered as it's supposed to be, it also helps to contribute to the gross domestic product in the economy. So we don't have, we, it reduces liabilities because if we have to start giving, um, giving out um, handouts, so people, because you believe that they cannot work, instead of seeing that I am not the one who is not actually enabling them to work, if they are able to work, they contribute. And as, as they contribute to the gross domestic product of the economy improves. So in Africa, that's the major problem we are actually having right now in Africa. And it's one of the and one of the things that we are seeking to fight to ensure that persons with disabilities gain decent jobs and have economic growth, not by being dependent on handouts, but actually by working use, uh, and in an accessible um, environment. It also affects the quality of life of the children. As I say, I tell my children all the time, whatever you are in life, you are a, a, a child of a blind man right now. Even if your dad receives his size today, 
uh, by miracle. He, you were born by a blind man. So you should understand, the, at the end of the day, you find out that whatever your dad is going, whatever is going to affect your dad is going to affect you. So if, even if you're going, to, you're going to build a career in other things, but ensure that whatever you do is inclusive of persons with disabilities. Because, and if you're looking at this, and we're focusing on not just on persons with disabilities, and also focus on family members of persons with disabilities, we can see that the population is times 10. Um, in, in Nigeria, when we are seeking for elections, we tell, we tell politicians, when you, you were policies are not inclusive of persons with disabilities, you're also excluding the family members of persons with disabilities. Over 25 million persons with disabilities in Nigeria, times two, looking at their parents, spouses, and siblings. So you see that the population is so wide. It's, go, it's not just going to affect the 25 million, it's also going to affect the other people who are directly affected by, who are directly related to the persons with disabilities. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's powerful as well. I mean, you've, you've already said so much and we've only just started. Um, but I mean, that also makes me think, so just flipping back to the purple pound for a second, the latest figure I saw, which was obviously backed by research, was that the purple pound was valued at 14 trillion US dollars globally. So looking at what you've just said, Emanuela, can you imagine what that figure would be when people are given more opportunities to actually work, because of course, then their expendable income increases. Definitely, but I can't even imagine that because it's going to triple. It's yeah, going to I mean, triple. It's, it's literally unquantifiable, but yeah, it, it can be so great if people are just given the tools and the opportunities to achieve what they actually want in life. If, if if people are giving tools and opportunities to actually achieve, you're looking at oh, 20, uh, purple pounds that achieve is valued over the, the economies of persons with disabilities. Uh, maybe I, I think is in Europe is valued over two hundred forty nine billion naira every year. And and this at this point right now, we cannot say we've achieved uh, up to eighty percent accessibility. If we if we are going to achieve up to eighty percent accessibility, you will be looking at trillions of uh, of um, dollars. Sorry, of pounds. Sorry, you'll be looking at trillions of pounds. Um, in terms of valuation of the economy of persons with disabilities. Because right now we are seeing, especially in my area here in Africa, we still have a lot of persons with disabilities who are not even coming out at all, who are not even known at all, who are still indoors. So we still have more than the ones that are actually outdoor and who are and the ones that are productive. So imagine if there's more accessibility, you will be, we will be talking about billions of uh, pounds in valuation. Yeah, I mean, we've already got that in so many countries, but it's just going to get greater. So anyone who's missing out on that figure is missing out big time. But also yeah. people are missing out on those opportunities. So I want to come back to what you do, Emanuela. So you obviously talked to us about getting people access to assistive technology, um, understanding how to use it and maintaining it and so on. But what does that actually mean? Like, in a, in a you know, when someone comes to you and they need some help, how, how does that actually work in real life? Okay, so uh, in a real life situation, what we what what we mean by providing assistive technology is ensuring that it's pro it's providing tools that help blind persons or other persons with disabilities access the environment. So assistive technology tools are tools that are used by persons with disabilities in order to access the environment irrespective of the disability. So now in a real life situation, I, I was talking about um, uh, a person who, who has lost their sight, either as a professional, as a student or as a child. And most times when, the people, when people lose their sight, and normally you, they, are, they are left redundant and um, 
the, the, and the economy, actually, the, the company itself gets to lose that particular talent due to disability. But what we do is we provide the traditional rehabilitation, which is um, mobility training, braille literacy, and all that. And when we do that, we, don't, we do that using assistive technology tools from the low-tech tools to the high-tech tools. So if a person loses their sight, the person gets access to being able to understand how to read Braille, um, how to use the mobility devices, uh, both the low-tech mobility devices and the high-tech ones, um, the uh, Braille reading tools um, from the low-tech one like Slate and Stylus to the Braille refreshable Braille display devices, um, learning how to uh, use... Um, maybe the health tech uh, assistive tools to be able to monitor their health in terms of blood sugar level, uh, uh, blood pressure and all, and other things. And also recreational tools like board games, accessible board games and um, other forms of games that blind persons actually play. They will also they also get introduced to using the computer with screen readers that different, depends on the kind of screen readers that that's also made by the budget. So when the uh, the person understands how to do this, they can actually keep their job, depending on the kind of job they're doing, or move to a, a suitable job and actually be able to build a career and have a, a quality um, standard of living. So what assistive technology does is to say disability is only a disability is only a transition to another way of living. It's not the end of life. It's only a transition to another way of living. It helps you. Assistive technology helps a person with disability live fully in uh, uh by learning new ways to actually live so and and it it helps the person with disability to also be able to break the barriers that is being posed by the disabling condition you know i mean not only have you just made that really really clear for everyone emanuela but i think what i really like is a lot of our listeners won't have had such exposure to assistive technology and you've you've really kind of helped people understand the breadth of it and what it actually does. And often we see stuff like on socials and so on, where you talk about, you know, attracting and retaining talent. Um, and this is a big part of that, you know, within your organisation, if you want the best people in roles, then you need to enable them. And if you want to keep them, you need to keep them enabled. So I think you really set that scene really well. Thank you for that. One thing I do want to ask you about, because I know you've got big plans. Um, and you're going to be setting up an assistive technology experience center, I believe you said. Yes, yes. Tell us Jenny. about it. Okay, so uh, you know, uh, currently in Africa, uh, especially in West Africa, right now, a lot of persons with disabilities buy assistive technology blindly. So what do I mean by this? Um, a lot of times you they're buying a, a device, but they've that they've never seen and they've never understood how it's going to actually help them. And it's quite expensive because of forex exchange and import import duties. So when the devices come, a lot of times is that they don't they find out that they are not able to use them due to other issues or um, the device is not actually meeting up with what they actually um, what they were actually expecting. So that was what actually brought up the need for an assistive technology experience center, where people with disabilities can come into the center, see devices that are available, use them, test them, and then get assessed on them to be sure that to be sure that it's actually suitable for them before they pay to buy these devices. Because it, most of the time, it's usually very. As I said, in Nigeria, we don't, currently we are we are only working to be able to make the guide cane, um, the walking cane, that is the white mobility canes. We have not even, or the slate and stylus, we don't produce 
any of the assistive technology tools and all of them are imported and which which means are also very expensive so they are able to use them at the experience center and not just being able to use them the other problem we have again in nigeria is maintenance a lot of times when people buy these things uh, either they went on holiday and they bought and they bought these devices and they came back they come back they are not able when there are when there is an issue at the end of the day they are not able to find repair services so that is what we are offering so we are partnering with manufacturers of assistive technology products and we are building a technical room at the experience center so we are currently we provide repair services for tools like the brave refreshable brave display devices that are faulty and other devices that are either from the high tech to the low tech devices that are faulty so we don't have to export them to the companies anymore to get them repaired we can actually get them repaired here at um here at home in nigeria so it's actually this will actually help to improve the quality of life of persons with disabilities who are using assistive technology products and also increase the use of assistive technology products because this is why a lot of people are actually running away from investing in buying a lot of these products because they don't understand how it's going to actually work for them they've not seen it before and when there is a fault they don't they are not sure it's going to be is going to be um, repaired. And we're so grateful because we, we, we're we not just doing this alone. We are doing it in partnership with Microsoft Incorporated and they funded this uh, this project. And that's why we are able to set up this center and also be able to provide trainings because a product that at hand that's not being to use is as good as not being available. So we are providing trainings on how to use this product to maximize the benefit. So this is going to, the whole idea, the whole, uh, ben, uh, the whole um, objective is to increase the use of assistive technology. Because we know that even when all the ramps are available, even when all the roads are made accessible, um, all the um, infrastructure, social infrastructure, the information system, the digital platforms are made accessible. If a person with disability does not have access to assistive technology, it can't still be able to access. So all these things are integrated. As we advocate for access, digital platform accessibility, we have to ensure that persons with disabilities who are going to use the digital platforms also have the uh, the tools they need to be able to access them. So that's why we are setting up the Assistive Technology uh, Experience Center. It's going to be the first in Nigeria, and um, it's going to be big. Uh, we are expecting visitors in every day to come in and uh, to test this product, use the product before they actually make a purchase. So we expect that there will be more confidence uh, in assistive technology. And we are going to, we, we expect to also see Nigerians move from not just low tech products to high tech products that are actually that, 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 that is going to help in aiding productivity, either at work, in school or during recreation. I absolutely love that. And I'd love to see uh, those centres elsewhere. But my first question's got to be, when do you expect to open the doors? Yeah, the doors are, the, the doors are opening uh, in July. Uh, and officially uh, we'll be launching uh, around August, but the doors will be open to uh, visitors uh, in Nigeria in July. And um, we hope to actually be able to scale this um, digitally to um, the come in the nearest future. Wonderful. Um, before I ask you, oh, there's so much I want to ask you, before I ask you a few more bits, I want to bounce back to our myths because I think the first one talking about working with disabled people, limited opportunities, it's evident to me it certainly hasn't limited yours. And we've talked about talent as well, you know, about attracting and retaining. And mm -hmm. also, you know, I mean, I say it a lot, but the reality is innovation comes from diverse thinking and mm -hmm. disabled people are a massive part of that, particularly as you know, overcoming barriers and so on is part of life. Mm -hmm. So finding new methods and 
you know, alternative ways of doing things, smarter ways of doing things as well, is actually very natural to an awful lot of disabled people. So mm-hmm. on that particular myths, uh, myth, sorry, about um, limiting opportunities, is there anything you'd like to add on that? Because, of course, it's built your business. Yeah, uh, you know, a, a lot of times when I got into the community 15 years ago, um, people asked me, oh, are you able to do other things? Um, why are you working with your husband? Won't you be the one doing everything? And when I speak with um, employers, so employing persons with disabilities is profitable and all that, so, oh, it's going to slow down the working pace of other members of staff. Um, they might have to assist the person do this and do that. So, and I know that this is a myth because... The only reason why a member of staff might want to, uh, everybody we, we, in, in a typical work environment, nobody's an island. We all support each other. That's why, there's, that's why team building is a core value in every workplace. But, but when a member of staff uh, who lives with disability is not uh, um, equally empowered uh, with assistive tools to work independently, of course, might not, at that point, that's when he's going to be needing a person, a non-disabled person or somebody who will be able to uh, help him access that information that is actually needed. So the problem is not persons with disabilities. The problem is lack of access or limited access to requisite assistive technology tools that will help that person access that barrier. So not, it does not solve the problem. What solves the problem is making equitable provision for assistive tools that will enable the person to work independently. For me, it's a big myth that we've broken several times and we want to actually share among people to say, look, working with persons with disabilities does not limit your opportunities, doesn't limit your work time, it's not, it doesn't increase your body, it doesn't increase your workload, um, and it doesn't also limit your opportunities. Also to people who are looking at, oh, being friends or uh, being um, acquainted with a person with disabilities on an, on an intimate level might reduce opportunities or you might not be able to do, uh, maybe if you're a high-flying career person, you might have to step it low because you need to. No, the persons with disabilities are also high-flying career persons. So it depends on, on the personality of the person who you're getting acquainted with at the end of the day. So it's not about the disability in itself. It's the, the person you're getting with. There are people who are non-disabled who are not also high-flying or who are, who are not encouraging to in terms of uh, you accessing limitless opportunities. So it's about the the personality of the individual. So let's look at the personality of the individual. Let's look at the environment in which the person stay, lives. Let's look at the access that the person has to the environment before we can judge if the person's life is actually limiting other members of the family or friends or workers or staff members or colleagues at the office, rather than saying uh, working with the person with disabilities actually limits your opportunities. Let's start looking at how we can actually empower persons with disabilities to be able to work more independently and productively at any time. Yeah, you put that brilliantly. So I'm not even going to add much. I'm just wanting to move on now. Um, because I was actually, I can't pretend, I was quite excited by the other myth you chose to bust, which is about the African market and assistive technology. Mm-hmm. So I want to delve in. Um, and I know you had some statistics. So let's look at the African market. How many visually impaired people are there on the continent? Currently, uh, we have an estimate of about 26 million blind persons wow. on the continent that estimate in nigeria we have an uh, according to site savers international we have an estimate of four four million totally blind persons and over 26 million persons who are actually who actually live with different forms of um 
low vision and all that. I know the problem we have in the African continent is uh, poor diagnosis. A lot of people live with these conditions that are not even yet diagnosed. I love them are that some who are even diagnosed don't even have access. So they are actually living in denial and trying to uh, play a blizzard as in trying to live like nothing is actually happening. So at that point, it's actually reducing their productivity. So we have that then when it comes to the assistive technology market we have we the, we, a, we currently we have the market size is over 80 billion dollars and it's looking at actually increasing doubling by 13 percent because of the rising in disability due to poor healthcare services the, the poor healthcare services are actually increased the numbers of uh, disability war and other issues has actually increased the number of um of disabilities so we the, there's, there's a rise in the numbers of persons with disabilities so and so once there's a rise means that there's a rise in the need for purchase of uh, assistive technology tools so when uh, i speak with manufacturers for distribution licensing and they say oh no we have one distributor in africa we don't want to have another one in africa or especially in west africa because the, uh, the african market is small say, no the problem is not the african market is small the problem we have in africa is that a lot of these tools when they are being designed for as a product design it is not actually designed to suit the african market so it's not convenient imagine mm, we have um a major company i don't know if i'm allowed to mention names of companies but uh for marketing sake but we have a major company who produces um assistive technology tools for persons who are blind, uh, such as screen readers, braille, uh, braille display devices, and other uh, optical character recognition software tools. And imagine one of the major optical character recognition software tools is supposed to be uh, is a device where you can place the book under the camera, the camera snaps the book and reads it to you. Now you're sending this product to Africa and that device is not coming with a battery. And Africa is the market where we don't have as, especially West Africa, we uh, we don't have stable power supply. So when this is being sent down to us, and we it means as I'm as a blind person is reading this book uh, on this device, and suddenly there is a power outage, the device stops working. So that affects the working, uh, the productivity of that person. Then the next blind person might not be interested in buying that because you can see that that is the major disadvantage. So the problem is we don't have. The, the, from the design of the product, the products are not actually designed to suit our markets. So that is why the patronage is actually low. Secondly, another reason why patronage is low is not because um, the African market don't have um, good enough purchasing power. Another reason why the patronage is low is lack of access to maintenance. As I said earlier on, when I was talking about the Assistive Technology Experience Center, we one of the major things we are doing in the center is to uh, provide maintenance services, repair services for these devices. Before now, we did a survey, and a lot of people were telling us about devices that they have at home that they are not able to use anymore. And the ports are very expensive, thousands of dollars and pounds, and they cannot use them anymore because of little one or two ports that um, one or two issues that happened with the device, and they cannot fix them. So, lack of access to maintenance is one of the things that is stopping uh, that is reducing the prospect um uh, the market share of in the african market so it's not just lack of purchasing power because just like um other countries um european and uh, american com uh, countries we have uh, governments also support assistive technology buying and um, private organizations fund assistive technology buying but we found out that these buying are focused on particular kind of buying for example in nigeria um, once a private a government wants to fund assistive technology buying they go for the low-tech assistive technology tools 
oh, I need, we need one million plate and stylus. We need um, maybe uh, a braille machine, the manual braille machine. We need, so then you know, start saying, oh, we have um, refreshable braille display devices that is that saves paper, that saves space, that's increased, but that, that is more handy to be used at anywhere. But they're not buying that because they know, as far as they are concerned, when these things are faulty, who's going to fix them? So yeah. we need to start looking to manufacturers to start, you know, building capacity within Africa and within West Africa for repair services. They need to be ready to invest in that. When they're investing in that, it's going to increase. And when it's local repair maintenance services, it's going to increase the market in West Africa. So it's a very big myth to say that African market is too low for investment in assistive technology um, or for sales of assistive technology. No, we can actually afford these things, but this, these products were not designed to suit our sociological needs most times. Yeah, do you know, I mean, a lot of that um, will be not only, you know, news to an awful lot of people, but even I think those that are actually in an influential position to make changes in that space, mm -hmm. I don't think they'll necessarily understand that. Firstly, from a statistical perspective, I don't think they'll understand it. But I think, you know, you, you've hit the nail on the head there about, firstly, not just bringing them to Africa, but by actually making them shootable for the people who need them. Because I'll yes. be honest with you, I wouldn't have thought about battery powered because of power supply. Um, and mm -hmm. that's why it's so important to, you know, do your market research, understand where the barriers are. Mm -hmm. And I, I am surprised that they haven't at least picked up on the fact that, well, basically from as a business perspective, they're missing out. Yes. Big time. Big time. Yeah, I mean, very much so. And I mean, don't get me wrong, absolutely. I'd love to see what you want to see. And I'd love to see a lot more actually, you know, manufactured and maintained and all that in Africa. And also then because they can serve the local markets far more effectively. Where we are at the moment, of course, you've talked a lot about where products are actually created and maintained from and so on. And that does also mean that there is, a different commercial market. Now, I know you've talked about affordability anyway, but the reality is for a lot of individuals, not necessarily for all organizations, but for individuals, products can be really unaffordable for people, you know, with the retail prices and the license costs and so on. So how do you see, especially any sort of quick wins you could identify, the market becoming more global so that these solutions are attainable for people in Africa. Okay. So um, a lot of times uh, when it comes to affordability, we have, uh, the, the, that's that why there are different kinds of products. Um, some products are high-end and um, very few people can actually afford them. And um, for us as a company and for an industry who uh, working in, an, in the retail industry and assistive technology, we try to ensure that there's a payment that we can provide payment plans to help people be able to afford these tools. So um, products worth maybe $5,000, somebody might not be able to, an individual might not be able to, depending on what he or she is doing, might not be able to afford to pay uh, that, make total 100% down payment. So we have payment plans um, in some cases um, after providing due diligence to ensure that they can actually uh, pay in installment, in installment, installment basis to be able to purchase that product and use 
the product. So the, so for us as so we, the, the whole book is not on the table of the manufacturers of assistive technology. It also falls back to us who are retailers and marketers of assistive technology products to also be able to ensure that our payment plans are are quite flexible to ensure that people can actually afford um to pay for this product. And most times also, uh, uh, apart from, because the, uh, currently in Africa, the biggest buyers of assistive technology devices is not just the individuals. Uh, we have the government, the uh, private organizations, philanthropists and non-governmental organizations are actually one of the, they actually, they take the biggest share in the purchase of assistive technology products. So uh, we there, there has to be a level of policy advisory Currently, as I said, we, we're working with the federal government of Nigeria through the Ministry of Health uh, and through Clean Health Initiative to develop the assistive technology uh, product list and also provide advisory to the uh, the to provide advisory in terms of standardization of the ones that will be bringing into the country, so that we don't just keep bringing in product lists that are the products that we know that are not going to that are not progressive. We it's good to use low tech products, but in this world, we, in, in in the current age we are in, where digital tools are being used every day, we need to start growing as an economy, as a country, into using high tech products in order for our younger ones who are persons with disabilities, who are young, the younger persons that need to be able to compete um, effectively at the end of the day, because at the end of the day, the world is a global market. Everybody is seeking for the same kind of job, and. Uh, an employer requires certain kind of competencies. So it's not going to say because you are from, you are a person with disability from Africa, you you have never used this particular product. You cannot use this. You cannot access this particular information. Therefore, I'm going to give you this particular job. No, we all have to be able to compete. So that's what we are working on to ensure that the kind of product that coming to Africa is actually competitive. It's not um downgrading, and also people can also be able to afford to buy them as uh, as they come in. That's, I mean, it's really good to know. And of course, making it affordable is massive for everyone. Um, I just want to ask, because you talk about it coming into Africa, and I know for some this has been a barrier in the past. How does it work with duty costs and so on, you know, when you get charged taxes for it coming into the country? Because that, you know, um, someone, someone saves up enough. I'm making it very simple here, but someone saves up enough. They place their order and then it gets as far as the um, border and all of a sudden, they've got an additional cost that they didn't account for. Oh, oh, Jody. Uh, you see, that's what we've been going through, as even as a business. Um, currently, um, there we we when we when we make importations, we have to pay import duties, and this is because even when this at times when these things are when the items are labeled. Uh, article for the blind and all that, or article for persons with disabilities. And ideally, in uh, in our policy statement, health um related goods, uh, health products are not charged import duties. So rehabilitation equipment like we sell are not supposed to be charged import duties. But due to irregularities, we have to pay import duties because the uh, the, uh, you, the, you, you, the the person who is there signing the paper tells you that well he doesn't know about the policy you're talking about. As far as he's concerned, he's on his desk to be able to earn revenue for the government. So you have to pay import duties. So that's one of the major problems we are having in Africa for government to actually step up the game in ensuring that import duties is taken away from assistive technology products. In fact, once the import duty is taken away from assistive technology products, you, the price crash crash is going to come down, nothing less than 30 to 40%. Because a lot of times, if I buy something for $2,000, I'm paying about 
something if once I put that I'm, I'm buying that item for two thousand dollars, I'm paying something close to that as an import duty because wow. the process of payment and all that. By the time you are done, you find out that you have to sell at an exorbitant price. So the prices, so it as it goes back to the uh, the buyers at the end of the day. Even when you are buying for yourself, you still have to make pay these import duties. Except you buy it for yourself and somebody uh, who is traveling, you know. Put it, uh, brings it in maybe just one device. But when you're buying on commercial basis, we have we keep paying for import duties. That's the problem we've been having in Africa, and that's what we are looking at in terms of um, uh, policy intervention. But we hope that these new governments we have in Nigeria will be able to look into that. So uh, in terms of uh, providing equity for persons with disabilities, to take away import duties so that assistive technology products can come in as almost as the cost of actually buying, not uh, ten two times the cost of buying. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wish you all the absolute best, and I I hope you achieve this right, and that government's going to work with you on it. I'd love for you to update me when uh you you have this big uh wow moment and they're taken away, but it is it's just it makes things far far too expensive, and I don't know how yeah. how they expect people to be able to sustain that. Um, I I know it's an it's an essential equipment. So and we are not producing anything here. So and it's not it's nobody's fault that no these things are not produced here. It's because visually because of lack of access to power. Currently at Access Tech, we are working at producing the guy cane, uh, using both the manual uh, materials and also using three D printing some of the parts in three Ds. So and this is taking us. We are looking at by the end of this June to July, we be able to get the demo version of that particular product out. But now making it commercializing it, it means I require I need power, I need heavy equipment and all that. And power is a major problem. So so we look at it at times even making importation might even be cheaper than sitting down back home to produce with high need for power because power is not readily available most times. So that is that that's one of the problems we're having in the in the technology in the industry. But we believe that with time we'll definitely we'll get through this. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I'm just glad you're on the case, Emanuela. So, I just want to quickly say, I think we can safely say we have busted our two key myths today. So, to be clear, working with disabled people definitely doesn't limit opportunities, and it doesn't. It the doesn't African happen. market is definitely big enough for <laughs> investment in assistive technology. In actual fact, it's huge. So, yes. If anybody can make that difference and anybody whose business actually wants to grow and wants to be even more successful um, is listening, Africa's the place that you need to start looking. So thank you. Let's, let's not um, miss those key points. Talking of yeah. key points, Emanuela, I need to ask you my very important question that I ask all of my guest speakers. So in Harry Potter style, I'm going to give you a magic wand so there's no limitations and you can magically change one thing to what, make the world a more inclusive place. What would you change? If I were to change the world to make the world a more inclusive place, I would place assistive technology tools in the hands of every person with disabilities. Do you know, it's, it's so sad because that's actually such a, an, a simple want, really, and yet it's so difficult to actually make it real. I wish I could give you the magic wand, but I'm sure... Oh. You're gonna give it to me. <laughs> you're gonna work some magic, and between people like me and you, and there's lots of great people out there pushing for this kind of stuff. Hopefully, in my mm. lifetime, that will be a reality. Amen. 
thank you. <laughs> so you've shared a lot with us. It's been really exciting to hear about what you're doing and your assistive technology experience center and how you're, you know, driving um, positive change um, in Nigeria. So what would you like people to take away from this episode? If you take nothing away from this episode, don't forget that working with persons with disabilities does not limit your opportunities. And don't forget that Africa is ready. Africa has enough markets to um, to purchase uh, sensitive technology products. And don't forget that these products are actually not just, um, they are an enabler, they increase, assistive technology itself actually helps to increase um, the uh, the productivity of persons with disabilities, thereby increase the gross domestic product of the economy. So this accessibility doesn't only affect persons with disabilities, it affects every one of us as non-disabled and disabled persons. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's such an important message. And thank you for that. I think hopefully that's really giving people food for thought. Um, I expect it will. So on that, if people want to find you and find out more about you and to make sure they're keeping up with what's going on with your uh, experience center, how do they find you, Emanuela? Yeah, don't lose touch with us. Just on LinkedIn, uh, we are Access Tech Innovation. Uh, personally on LinkedIn, I'm Inclusive Ella. On Instagram, I am Inclusive Ella. On Twitter, I am Inclusive Ella. Uh, for Access Tech Innovation on Instagram, we are Access Tech Innovation. And on Facebook, we are also Access Tech Innovation. So you can check our website at accesstechinnovation.com. Uh, so just uh, keep in touch with me as Emmanuel, as Inclusive Ella, and keep in touch with Access Tech Innovation. We'll be glad to you. always share the experience. Well, you are spoiled for channels there to keep in touch. So what I will do, I will share any links Emanuela um, has it with the episode so that you don't get bamboozled and you can choose those that um, your preference for contact and you can make sure you stay in touch. So I could keep you on here for ages, Emanuela, but we do need to close out. So I just want to say thank you so much for your time today and for sharing with us. It's been an absolute pleasure and a very powerful conversation. Thank you for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed this session. It's so relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> no, the pleasure thank definitely. You, you're very welcome. The pleasure definitely was all mine. And also, thank you to everybody who took the time to listen today. I again, um, I have no doubt that you've learned from Emanuela, and it's yeah, it's been a brilliant episode. So. Please take something away if you can influence getting assistive technology um, into the African market directly, then please do. And until next time for more myth busting, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode. We really hope you enjoyed it. Please rate us and leave us a review. We really want to know what you think. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the amazing guest speakers we have lined up.